Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about privacy today, and we're talking with Peter Kosmala, the Assistant Director with the International Association of Privacy Professionals. Peter, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you for having me. Just to start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about your organization and your role there? Absolutely. Well, the International Association of Privacy Professionals is, in fact, the world's largest organization representing the emerging field of information privacy. And we first formed in 2000, uh, primarily as a collection of, at the time, a very compact group of very senior uh, privacy officers, compliance and regulatory professionals who held fairly senior corporate roles and who were responsible for the data management practices of their organizations across a number of different industries. So it grew from that group to a more a more broadened, a more diversified and geographically representative group of professionals that we now represent today, which is well over 6,000 members in across uh, o- over 40 different countries around the world. And it's also expanded to include uh, folks that aren't simply in the corporate ranks, but also middle management, compliance, directors, strategic uh, operations people, technical people, marketing people, even folks that have gravitated from related fields such as corporate compliance, legal compliance, risk management, uh, information security, information auditing. And as an organization, uh, we support this profession on a number of levels by providing networking opportunities for them to meet and engage with other professionals in their local communities. We have a series of meetings that we call KnowledgeNet that are held in over 35 different cities around the world. And two of our most active chapters are actually out located outside of the U.S. in Canada and in Japan. Uh, we hold the uh, two of the largest conferences devoted to privacy issues each year. One is the IPP Privacy Summit, which was just held uh, a few weeks ago in March of 2009 at the uh, in Washington, D.C., and actually brought together close to 1,400 different professionals from around the world, including regulators, uh, corporate privacy officers, uh, academics, other thought leaders, to discuss the, the pressing issues of the day. We also have a very operationally oriented workshop that we offer every fall, and this year in 2009 happens to be offered in Boston, and that's called the Privacy Academy, which offers a series of workshops that are very focused on the operational challenges of putting a privacy program or team or service together. Uh, We also offer the only professional certification in the field of privacy, and it's called the Certified Information Privacy Professional, or CIPP which certifies the candidate in a, a broad range of, uh, of general topic areas that include uh, privacy laws, as these are now existing and being enforced around the world, uh, industry standard best practices, technologies, uh, other operational strategies, and is offer, also offered in different flavors that cover jurisdictions such as in Canada, in U.S. government, and even in the field of IT itself. And as assistant director within the organization, uh, I'm actually overseeing a lot of our business development efforts. So I'm in charge of industry relations with related fields like compliance, ethics, information auditing, security, as well as organizations and individuals in the Asia-Pacific rim and across Europe as well uh, as we develop our strategies and services moving forward. And I have personal oversight uh, for our certification programs as well as some of our uh, educational program offerings, which include webinars and audio conferences and the like. So in brief, we're international, uh, we're fast-growing, uh, it's an emerging profession that really didn't exist uh, close to 10 years ago, and it's in many ways parallels the early growth of the information security profession uh, in, in terms of how it's grown and how it develops over time uh, through certification, education, and other efforts. And it's the hot topic. It is indeed. So you've just come from your annual summit. Coming out of that, Peter, what would you say are the top three privacy topics for businesses and government today? 
Well, we found, uh, first of all, we found that a lot of our sessions were so tightly packed um, that it was difficult to get everybody in and covered it at once, and it was a pleasant, a, a pleasant problem to have, actually, because folks were so intensely interested uh, across a, a number of different topics that we covered, and there were actually twice as many sessions that we offered this year as we did last, uh, close to, different, to 120 different sessions of privacy and security issues. But I think the ones that really emerged, and, and we learned this not just from the attendance, but also from very strong evaluations of the speakers and presenters, uh, tend to focus around three particular areas. Uh, one having to do with core definitions of what is personal data and what comprises identity and, and identifiers of data. And this is in light of some somewhat controversial uh, decisions or positions articulated um, by the European Commission, um, the, the EU Commission on Privacy Matters, um, in treating information like IP addresses and other technical data as ostensibly personal data. And it's led us into a very interesting uh, debate and discussion into really the core of what, we, uh, of what we deal with every day, which is personally identifiable information, or PII, personal data. Uh, that's what a privacy professional is really uh, designed to protect or whose role it is to, to maintain the integrity and the security and the appropriate management of. Um, other areas, areas we're noticing that are really emerging fast are, and, and these, this, this is not exactly new, but it's just growing even more, is in an increasingly complex uh, constellation of laws and regulations now emerging around the world, um, where the U.S. has taken a lead in regulatory approach around things such as notice of security breach, so data breach notification and response. Um, other countries are fast on the heels of these developments, such as in Canada, where the Privacy Commissioner of Canada, uh, Jennifer Stoddard, uh, issued late last year some guidelines around what uh, organizations are expected to do in terms of um, ID theft prevention and data breach response. Even the United Kingdom and other EU nations are starting to look at the issue very closely. And this is just one issue, is re resulting in a very complex, um, really just legal landscape for privacy professionals to guide their organizations through in terms of complying, particularly if they're a global organization, irrespective of where they're physically based. If data is flowing in and out of these countries or across to uh, employees that serve in far-flung offices, it's all data flow and it's all flowing into different legal jurisdictions and different sets of requirements, and that's a lot to keep on top of. And the last thing I would say is uh, an, an emerging, uh, emerging technology such as cloud computing or decentralized um, data flows, data centers that, are, um, you know, that, that require have different at various endpoints and require similar considerations on how to sort of map that data, inventory it, protect it, make sure that it's complying with, with relevant legal requirements. Well, interesting. How do you find that organizations are tackling some of these challenges? And I wonder if out there there might be some, some leaders in the industry that others can, can follow. Well, there's a, there's a lot of really good work that's being done um, on the policy side especially and I think one one response is to start to look at start to look at privacy issues more holistically as information management issues and information governance, and looking at uh, looking not just at the specific legal and operational requirements, but integrating that into the practice of the organization as a whole. Um, historically, uh, privacy as a profession had very compliance-centric uh, origins in terms of just compliance with established laws. Here in the U.S., that would be. HIPAA in the healthcare profession, uh, the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, the privacy provisions within that law, that drove a lot of activity and, and a lot of uh, program strategy amongst organizations uh, here in the U.S. But as I said, as our membership has diversified, so indeed has the approach to privacy in it being now positioned more as a strategic asset and a, and a trust builder among relationships with customers, 
citizens, if you're a government agency, vendors, other types of partners, where it's a really critical component of what an organization does. And that is essentially has pushed us to where it has a very valuable strategic role in what an organization does, whether that's a government or a business or a nonprofit or other type of organization. And I think that, in turn, has led to a greater awareness that there has to be coordination, that privacy is not a subset of any one particular area, such as information security is one example, but is, in fact, a very valuable area of its own that is, that is rooted very much in legal concepts and regulatory approaches in solid practices, but that that requires integration and collaboration with folks on the information security side or on the risk management or corporate compliance sides so that the organization is very, uh, is very integrated and is, is very coordinated in its response to very vexing issues like identity theft prevention, uh, data breach prevention, other types of, of uh, threats uh, to the, the integrity or the security or privacy of information that organizations deal with. So increased coordination, I think increased call upon uh, legal knowledge and understanding of how these regulatory developments are still very fluid. Um, this is where certification comes into a play, quite honestly, and I think it's very valuable that the CIPP as a designation is out there for organizations that are starting privacy teams or efforts to establish a baseline level of, of education and understanding amongst their team members, uh, even folks that they're coordinating with elsewhere in their organizations, just so that everyone is aligned on what the basic requirements are, and importantly, that they can spot the issues as these start to emerge. Now, you, you talked about privacy legislation, Peter, and there, there are a couple topics I want to talk with you about. One of them is the Massachusetts Data Protection Law. I get the sense that this is one of the toughest privacy legislations to come down. I wanted to get your perspective on that and what kind of impact that, that legislation might have on other states or, or even the, the federal government. Well, as an, as an organization, it's important for me first to note that the IAPP doesn't take explicit policy positions on, on laws, privacy laws or regulations, both established and emerging. But I certainly can comment on how uh, some of the challenges that our members ha have run into and how we wish to assist them. And our, our goal really here is to provide a forum for discussion around uh, the development of such laws and such approaches and allow them to coordinate with each other and develop best practices and responses together. Um, but that said, you, you are correct in noting that it's, uh, it's, a quite a, it's quite a challenging law that Massachusetts established. It, it actually uh, it, it was enacted or the rules were enacted in September of 2008 and was originally scheduled to go into full enforcement mode early this year in January. But the compliance deadline has actually been pushed back to uh, January 1st, 2010. And the, the law is fairly broad-reaching in that it doesn't require uh, or doesn't apply to organizations that are simply physically based in Massachusetts. The business or the organization can be based anywhere. But as long as it's handling the personal or sensitive information of a, of a citizen of Massachusetts or a Massachusetts resident, that they would then be subject to the law. And it... It also goes further in that it's not simply a notice of security breach law, but rather is pressing for evidence of a comprehensive written information security program and actual established procedures extending out even to a vendor network if you're working, if your organization is working with outside or third parties that are handling or processing the so-called personal sensitive information um, on your behalf. Um, and, of course, the, the, the consequences for noncompliance are, are quite significant in terms of, of not just government enforcement but also private litigation. So it's, Massachusetts' law, while not the first data breach notification law, I think is an evidence of sort of a new breed of approach that is quite comprehensive and quite aggressive in terms of the enforcement that it's pursuing. Um, of course, the, really the, the, the pioneering law was, was uh, California Senate Bill 1386, which was first enacted in 2003, 
and put forth some essential uh, requirements around uh, the definition of, of computerized personal information and certain encryption requirements and paper records and the like. Um, but now Massachusetts, uh, a lot of states are looking uh, to it as, as a essentially the latest evolution of this type of approach. So the, the member organizations that we've talked about are looking at the law closely. I think they're, uh, they're encouraged that the compliance has been pushed back because of a compliance date because it does involve so many different things from potentially looking at um, the encryption and protection of, of, of portable devices and laptops to, as I say, getting, getting uh, vendors and third parties verified or certified in data protection procedures. Um, that vendor network can often include tens if not hundreds or maybe even thousands of different organizations or companies, so vendor management is a key challenge of it. Mapping all of that data inventory, um, as I said, making sure it's encrypted, it's, it's quite a lot to, to get together. And it's really a matter of mapping the technical requirements of the laws together with the practical realities of, of implementing that. And I think everyone's looking closely to see how, how organizations respond, how the, how the Massachusetts uh, Attorney General and others uh, respond and take actions, and we'll be watching that very closely in the months to come. Peter, what's your sense? Is there a, a climate or an environment now where we might start seeing federal privacy legislation? Well, this is a we're often asked this, and it's it's come up on several occasions. And I think there's there's really two perspectives. I mean, one that from a compliance standpoint that is particularly challenging is this so-called patchwork quilt, as we say, of various state requirements on various privacy matters. Um, again, relating primarily to ID theft prevention, data breach prevention, but also other areas, medical information, genetic privacy information, private information, et cetera. And it's led to a situation where for an organization that is doing business within the U.S., that it's a lot to keep track of. Of course, attorneys and legal professionals are overjoyed because it calls more upon their expertise and their keen insights on how to navigate through that or where to position the standard for compliance for your organization. And it is now taking on more of a global complexion, as I alluded to earlier, uh, with other countries and other nations uh, and regions looking closely at these very same issues so that a global organization uh, is really challenged by putting together a, an appropriate compliance framework for that. There are some organizations within our membership, um, such as Microsoft and Hewlett-Packard, and they're joined by others in the policy uh, communities and the consumer advocate communities that are arguing str strenuously for uh, an established federal standard for privacy protection uh, or an omnibus bill that touches on all these issues with the primary benefit that it establishes a single standard that then everyone can, can map to and that essentially preempts state provisions. But there's also a school of thought that, that looks to the, some of the different states, like California, like Massachusetts, that have established even higher standards than one might think might emerge in a federal bill and that that might result in stronger consumer protection. So it's a, it's a debate that continues to emerge. Uh, when we were asked this question last year, we were very doubtful that it would be um, top of the agenda in light of the new presidential administration. Now that the new presidential administration has been established, um, we're starting to see some some indications that privacy will be a, a big part of, of the uh, agenda, um, but secondary to obviously economic initiatives and stimulus initiatives. But we've already seen some major enhancements to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act for healthcare privacy provisions uh, under the stimulus package that was recently passed by President Obama. Um, we have a new chairman of the FTC, John Leibowitz, who comes from a strong, um, uh, a strong background in enforcement, particularly in the area of online behavioral marketing and online marketing privacy practices. So we expect to see a stronger enforcement posture there, uh, not just by his appointment, but the policy direction of, of the FTC as a whole. So there will be, we, we do expect to see more activity. 
if this will lead in the short term to us, you know, a, the development or the introduction of a single omnibus federal bill is less certain. But it, it certainly, I think, has become a greater possibility. Let's go back to the topic of your certification information privacy. How's that program evolved over time since you first introduced it? Well, the Certified Information Privacy Professional, or CIPP, uh, was on the one hand uh, the natural evolution um, of our program or, or our offering to members in helping to support and grow and enhance the visibility of privacy as a profession, uh, as, a, as a discipline and a business and, a, and a, an important government role, uh, all of its own and, and fast growing. So it, would, it, would only, it only goes to logic that we would establish an educational standard to demonstrate what is the core body of knowledge that you ought to know as a, as a successful privacy professional that you ought to have a, a essential understanding of in terms of fundamental knowledge that at the very least would enable you, enable you to spot the issues um, and escalate those or delegate those as necessary, if not tackle them directly. And that program is the CIPP, um, which is a which is a certification, a professional certification in essential legal and operational and technical concepts of information privacy. And it consists of a, a really a, a one-part or two-part certification process. One is called a foundation program, and that's a it's an optional course and a mandatory exam that uh, establishes understanding of uh, global data protection standards, so some of the principles, privacy principles frameworks from APEC, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, to fair information practices, uh, to the OECD guidelines, and other basic uh, information protection principles that are established around the world, and which form the basis for a lot of the laws that were subsequently enacted in the U.S. and in Canada and in Europe, uh, in Canada through a federal law called PIPEDA, in Europe through the EU Directive, and others. Um, that foundation course then leads nicely into, uh, beyond just laws and principles, also general practice areas like information security and its important role in partnership with privacy in ensuring the confidentiality, integrity, and, and uh, reliability of information and access to information, as well as the entire world of online privacy. So at a very basic level, a CIPP candidate is equipped in all of those essentials before he or she then moves to the legal or practical specialization that they wish to pursue. And here we offer uh, variations in U.S. corporate privacy issues. If you want to certify specifically to the jurisdictional requirements of the U.S., there's a Canadian privacy certification that's specific to the enforcement model for data protection just to our north. And uh, it's, a, it's a decidedly different model there where there actually is a federal privacy law established, as I mentioned, the PIPEDA, the Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act, as well as a series of provincial privacy laws that are akin to some of the state laws in the U.S., but, but quite different. Um, and there's also a, a privacy certification that we offer in U.S. government uh, for employees, um, officers, records managers, security professionals, even vendors or consultants that work within the sphere of U.S. government, whether for or on behalf of a government agency and department, because there, again, there's a whole set of laws from the Data Quality Act to the Federal Information Security Management Act uh, to the E-Government Act to FOIA, Freedom of Information Access, uh, all which apply to government uh, operations and practices and which any government professional ought to know at a fundamental level in order to protect the information of citizens and ensure appropriate access to that information. And then our most newest credential, which will be premiering again this year in 2009, is focused on the IT community. It's the CIPP slash IT, which focuses on privacy issues specific in the development and implementation of information technology services and products because in the software and hardware engineering and development world, um, there's a great deal of benefit to the notion of building privacy protections into products and services early in the process so as to ensure the integrity of data once it's being processed. 
So this is all designed to equip a number of different professionals from a number of different levels in different fields to understand these privacy fundamentals, the legal and operational and even technical requirements to do their job better and to broaden and promote awareness of privacy issues and practices. We now have over uh, 3,000 credential holders around the world that hold one or more of these designations. Impressive. Peter, one last question for you. We're a quarter of the way through the year now, officially. Looking ahead, what do you expect are going to be the biggest privacy stories that we see for the remainder of 2009? Well, it's a great question, Tom. And there's um, there's actually three I'd like to raise, one of which I mentioned briefly before. The one I, I'd mentioned is, is this, I said, as I, as I described it, a complex um, constellation of laws on a global level um, that privacy professionals uh, must tackle on behalf of their organizations to ensure um, compliance, but also that that information is being handled reasonably and practically and in a way that uh, really benefits uh, both consumers and organizations and allows us all to grow and benefit in this information economy that we live in and in the challenging marketplace as well. It's a, it's a certain one challenge I would say or an issue that we're going to see continue on is this sort of lack of stability in laws. And I don't mean to say that the laws themselves are breaking down, but some of them are very much in flux and there's ongoing debates such as the one I mentioned earlier on the very definition of personal data itself that continue to uh, to evolve and which we're watching very closely and which could lead to some very interesting outcomes in terms of new regulatory frameworks. Um, as, as I said, we lived in a very highly networked world and I think another issue we're going to see more and more is this idea of essentially our decentralized data or the whole the whole emerging privacy and security issues around cloud computing and, and, uh, and, and a decentralized uh, data sharing model where data centers are set up and accessed by many organizations, many different entities, and really to get our hands on that data and, and manage it and protect it properly when it is in that sort of decentralized uh, mold. I think the one thing we learned from our most recent conference was just intense interest around cloud computing um, and, and how to manage that, how to build privacy protections into implementations of cloud computing programs and platforms. And there's also a lot of, a lot of interesting work being done around um, data retention standards and understanding wow, exactly how long is appropriate to hold on to data. And this is, sort of, this is the issues emerging out of the bigger analysis of online behavioral marketing, what a lot of online companies, websites, online services do when they capture uh, data uh, through just basic registration processes or other types of inputs from online consumers. And what, is indeed, what indeed is appropriate for reuse and, and for storage, how long that information should be held, in Europe, there are very stringent guidelines around the amount of time that you should be holding on to that information and exactly what you're doing and your obligations as an organization to inform the consumer of your intent and your reuse. Um, this is some of, the, some of the debate and analysis that's occurring around organizations like Google and Facebook and a lot of the social, uh, social uh, networking sites. So there again, I think that's an issue that will continue to evolve in interesting ways that we'll have to track closely and which, have, which will have implications for different organizations. Peter, you've been an excellent spokesperson. I've, I've really appreciated your time and your insight today. Well, we very much appreciate the opportunity to speak, Tom. And if anyone has any info information or, or interest in pursuing certification in information privacy or simply knowing more about the IPP, I invite you to visit us at privacyassociation, all one word, dot org. And a very simple way you can engage just in elevating your own privacy awareness is to sign up for the absolutely free daily dashboard e-newsletter, which is a daily digest of privacy or information privacy news as this occurs around the world each day, and it will simply get you smarter on what these issues are, how the laws are developing, and where it's all taking us, and it's absolutely free. 
Again, privacy is the topic of the day, and we've been speaking with Peter Kosmala, Assistant Director with the International Association of Privacy Professionals. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.